Welcome to Write Into Your High Calling with author and professor Sherry McGriff. Write Into Your High Calling is dedicated to inspiring you, equipping you, and challenging you to steward the call of writing that God has on your life. So if you're up for it, let's get started. The following episode is from the interview series, Pinning for Purpose, How to Win the Culture War and Bring Hope with Your Writing. It can be watched on rumble.com forward slash C forward slash Write Into Your High Calling or the Write Into Your High Calling Rumble channel. It can also be seen as a free course on the writersacademy.net forward slash pinning, P-E-N-N-I-N-G, which is also where our fiction and nonfiction courses are hosted. So it's an awesome way to watch or, hey, listen in here. Bye. Enjoy the interview. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome to Pinning for Purpose, How to Win the Culture War and Bring Hope with Your Writing. So today I have a great treat for you. I have my very good friend that I've known since I was probably... 21? Maybe? Maybe. Maybe. Anyway, um, this is, well, thank you. Thank you for coming first. Um, so this is Rockland Grace, aka Dr. Anna Stone, also known as Dr. Rockstar on Instagram. <laughs> so you need to follow her there. Uh, Rockland Grace lives in the beautiful mountains of Colorado, where life is wildly free and beautifully peaceful. She loves morning coffee, sunsets in the cool evenings, and the interruption of a moonbeam across the living room late at night. So welcome, Rockland. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So thank you for coming. so tell us, tell us about your books. I didn't mention your books. Tell us the books you've written and tell us about them. Oh, okay. <laughs> I have this book. I have two books actually. So here they are. In case somebody wants to jot that down. Um, this is my first book, Until I Am Dust. You can see my pen name there, Rockland Grace. This is the first um, in a series. And it is a dystopian romance set in a western futuristic combination world um so which surprised me actually when that setting came out of me and it and i'm surprised at how many uh people actually love that setting i I get a lot of positive feedback on it um and it's also as i said you know romance the uh Uh, I wanted a book that would um, help um, show how two people can be healed uh, when they continue to choose to love each other in spite of trauma or just, you know, deep hurt. And so that was one theme that I had in this book. So there's that one. And then... This uh, is a poetry collection, Soaring Wolf, Howling Eagle. It's a, it's a shinier one, so the light's shining on it funny. Um, the poetry collection, I wrote the poems and I have a co-author 
um, Ferris Casse, and he supplied uh, many of the photographs, most of the photographs here in this book, he supplied them. And within the poems, what you'll find is the story of how he and I became friends and how significant that can be. And um, I love this little book. <laughs> because of that, I have found in many of my conversations with people um, that oftentimes we struggle uh, to have friends and to be friends, uh, whether you're uh, a Christian or not, it seems to be something that people struggle to do, especially for some reason, if you're a member of the opposite sex. And, and what I, what Ferris and I found is he's opposite me in every way imaginable. And yet we have um, a really kind, wonderful, mutually respectful friendship. And I, I call him my faraway son and he calls me his American mom. <laughs> So, and uh, what's the region of the world he's in? If, if you can, he's say. in North Africa from Algeria. Wow! And, and how yes. did you how did you meet him? On Instagram, of all things. You, you know, you bring up a, um, an interesting point because I saw someone post a question the other day, like, "Can you are if you meet people online, are you really friends?" What would you say to that? I would say yes. <laughs> Um, it's not always easy, and I have, of course, many more followers than I do actual friends. Um, it takes a lot of patience and time uh, to develop that friendship and that trust and having honest conversations, and he and I managed to do that, and there are a few other people that are featured in this book, actually, that I consider them friends, um, and, but I think, I think it is possible and it gives me a lot of, of hope really to, um, to meet him someday, uh, learn more by experiencing uh, his part of the world and his culture. And I, I've learned so much. And that's the other thing, opening yourself up to actually listen, be a really good listener slash reader while you're talking um, to learn about people and their worlds and their cultures and what it's, what it's truly like. It's, uh, it's a wonderful experience if you can reach that point. I think that's really good. Um, so, you know, the purpose of this whole interview series is basically the world is on fire. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> we live in this dystopian, yes. surreal world now. Okay. <laughs> and if you don't know what I'm talking about, I don't know where you've been, but just keep listening to all the interviews and, and, and you'll find out. But um, <laughs> I don't say that facetiously. I say that literally listen to all the interviews that I'm doing. Um, you know, you're connecting across the world with Ferris. I've connected. Now, we actually know each other in person, but we haven't physically been in the same room in 30 years. 30, at least 30 years. Okay. <laughs> but we're very good friends. Yes. And then I've met other people that I have yet to meet in person. And then mm -hmm. I have met people. Um, I was with a group that I met on Twitter that we actually 
you know, we did, we had parties, which sounds very bougie, but I mean, it wasn't though. We just like all met and, and it was so wonderful and everything. So, but in this dystopian world, we really do need to connect. Now, before we go further, why don't you define dystopian um, for everyone in the way oh. you would define it for what we're living through right now? Oh my goodness. Well, I think a, a dystopian world is the opposite of a utopian world. You know, there are a lot of people who imagine that there is this such a thing as being able to create a perfect world. And yet, and in the midst of what I see happening, people trying to do that, they just create more dystopia by living, accepting, and doing things um, that just are just not um, the way a society uh, makes itself a better and a good society. And so we're, we're just living in that and, and, and they're going about it in ways that just sort of boggle my mind where there is an actual uh, truth denial um, and and sometimes I, I just kind of cock my head to the side and I think, wow, how did they get to that place? And that I think sometimes is the mystery. How did, you, how did you come up with this thing that you think is true? And it is so opposite. And it's not, can't be backed by philosophy, science, or anything that any, any grounded knowledge. So a dystopian society is a society that is being run by something that is not a grounded knowledge. It's not grounded in anything um, that can be evidenced objectively and called this is the truth. <laughs> okay, so then give us a concrete answer that you can live with since the internet's forever. <laughs> um, that's happening right now. What is a dystopian factor that we are living with right now? Well, I think certainly the most obvious one right now is the denial of a biological a human male or a biological human female, and that we're sort of reducing humans to feelings. That's a scary thought, you know, to reduce um, this, th this glorious creation <laughs> to a feeling. And I, uh, that grieves me that people um, are moving in that direction. And it's not hate. No. I had a conversation with a friend today. If parents or other people understood what a surgery entailed, mm -hmm. let's say a boy, I will say this, to have his body parts cut off and then made a female body part, right? And have to go to the doctor, which is a open wound for the rest of his life, that he must now wear Tampax or something similar for the rest of his life and go to the doctor every year to have more incisions done because the body is always trying to heal the physical body. That's what the body does. It was gloriously made to heal itself. Yes. They would not want to subject their son to that they would like okay if you want to do this mm -hmm. then let's wait till you are an adult and you know that this will be your life and the same with the girl 
who for whatever reason decides that she was a boy. I, I first I would say God does not make mistakes. He made you beautiful, wonderful, unique. He gave you gifts and talents and you are not a mistake. There's nothing about you that is a mistake. Nothing. And I find my identity in Jesus Christ, but he also made me female in a female body. Um, and he made you the same. But um, I don't think people really have open conversation about it and understand the lifetime consequences of something. Right. And if, you know, if, if you're a, uh, a young person or even, even a fully grown adult and you're having these conflicting feelings and emotions and anxieties, yes, I mean, go, go, I, I understand that, you know, there, there are medical diagnoses that need some help. You need some help. I get that totally. Go to good counselors and get help. But the idea that you know a, um, a child, a minor, um, that a parent would would subject such a life-altering um, surgical thing to children, it, it, I I really do. So I, I admit it. I struggle with that. I think that's a scary path to to take a child down if they're already experiencing anxiety and confusion just you know by getting ready to go through the natural body changes that we go through <laughs> you know, puberty is very puberty hormonal is um there's a reason why they call teenage girls moody because mm -hmm. your hormones yeah. you know are changing it, it's, and normal. it's normal and it's beautiful and it is yes. the thing that we learn you have you know of course, it's going to be difficult. It's supposed to be. We're made to overcome and go through and get through difficulty and come out on the other side, grown men and grown women with gifts and talents and ways of thinking that are individual and unique to us. And that's a beautiful thing. Um, you know, if you need some help getting through that, some therapy, do it, but don't cut off what's been given to you as a blessing to your life, you know? So I don't know if that helps. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. I hope yes. so. Um, that, that's the scary thing is, is seeing, seeing people in this confused area and, and just it's uh, not, we're not, we're not being unloving when we say this. Oh, so no. There's a reason why I wore this shirt today. Read your <laughs> Bible. Now you might find Christians have been judgmental, or maybe you think the truth is offensive. I say, read Bible, drink coffee, fight evil. We are saying that, or I am saying that wanting to mutilate children and cut their body parts off without them actually understanding this is a lifelong decision yeah is evil yeah children can't make those kinds of decisions they they can't no their brain hasn't developed what is it what is it like after 18 even 21 your brain is still developing your are developing until you're about yeah 26 24 26 somewhere oh in there it's, yes 
And then to teach, teach, train, help your child to think beyond how they feel. Yes. Help them think beyond how they feel. That's why parents should be adults (laughs) because we have to teach and train them what it's like to come out of this uh, other side of this confusing time in their lives. And that it's a blessing, get through it. <laughs> yes, and, and if you're struggling even as a parent, um, mm-hmm. one, I would say it's not your fault, but two, if you're struggling as a parent, you know, um, get help, uh, take classes from people that are grounded again in the word of God that aren't, um, buying into uh, a a progressive ideology and progressive is actually regressive. It's actually going backwards is what I think. But I have a lot of things to say, but (laughs) okay. So again, yeah, there's, I mean, I I don't, I don't have any hate for folks who are, I'm, I have a lot of compassion and I'm, I'm deeply troubled when, when I see these things happening because I, I believe there's hope and I believe there's restoration for your for your anxiety and, and the trauma, you whatever traumas you've experienced, whether they're emotional or physical or a combination of both, there's hope and there's healing without cutting yourself up. Absolutely, absolutely. You know? um, yeah. And if you need resources, please message me. Um, I have resources that I can send you to. Um, Okay, so now let's talk about your book. So uh, okay. until, I'm, till, until I am dust, I was gonna say was okay. am dust. <laughs> I am dust until I am dust. Right. Yes. So that's dystopian. Okay. Yes. Now we're talking about how can we win the culture war and bring hope. Now, tell me some of the dystopian elements or activities that are happening in your book. Mm-hmm. What are some of those things? Um. One thing um, that happened is um, in this book is the the government in this book has become so invasive that it decides where you live. And there are countries in the world where the government decides where you live and you have to have paperwork to move around. Mm, Kind of like the COVID passport? Kind of like, yes. Okay. And the 15 minute cities that they now want to create in the United States of America. Yes, that could certainly be a a serious issue, couldn't it? Mm -hmm. You know, and um, also the the idea of uh, technology inserted in you to track you. I mean, that that kind of technology is already created, you know, and and they use it like militarily and and things like that to to follow people. We of course we we carry them around too. We we can be tracked, right? So those 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 kinds of technologies are also um, at issue here. And when I what's interesting to me is that when I first uh, conceived this story, it was years ago, years ago in the '90s. And these ideas, I just thought they were ridiculous, but fun ideas to write. <laughs> And now I think, oh my goodness, you know, and that was one reason why I just went through so much trying to finally finish this book 
because I could see there were so, a lot of similarities that we were experiencing in the world today that I could say, yes, these things can happen. And I wanted it to be a part of the story. So you have Soaring Eagle, which is on the cover there. And then um, what is your female protagonist? So there's two protagonists. Soaring Eagle and Kathleen. Okay, so here's my question. What would Soaring Eagles or Kathleen, uh, Kathleen's, Catherine, is it Catherine? Kathleen. Kathleen, okay. What would their parents or grandparents have said to them to prepare them for today? Like, what advice would they have given to keep the, the future that um, Kathleen and Soaring Eagle live in? Mm -hmm. They live in sectors. Mm -hmm. They're not allowed to go into someone else's sector without permission. They have drones that track them. Mm -hmm. And I believe they can shoot. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what would their parents or grandparents have said to maybe to us today? This is coming. Do this or it's absolutely going to hit you. Um, I think it would be understand what it means to cooperate, but do not compromise the truth. And what does that mean? Um, for, for Soaring Eagle, he can be very um, cooperative uh, when he has to go uh, into um, the town and he knows he's going to be tracked by a drone and he knows that the tattoo on him identifies him as a certain member of a certain group. He takes his shirt off, he lets the drone see it all and he goes on about his business. And he will be fully defensive if necessary. He will defend himself or he will defend Kathleen, and, but he will cooperate. He'll figure out what is being said. He also knows the agreements that have been made um, by the government with people and with his people in particular, and he makes them remember it. He makes them remember the law. And Kathleen will do that as well. Remember the law. Remember you the have law. to abide by the law. So they know their rights. And so that, you know, um, cooperate, but don't compromise your rights. That's good. That's good. Hmm. Now, so part of this is, you know, to urge writers. Mm -hmm to take action. Yes. Whether it's through speaking or act or um or and or writing. Okay. So you have these books, they're there for the long term. Mm -hmm. How did you bring hope in the in that book? Like how do you show hope for people living in this dystopian world? Um that they they found a way in the laws that were written to still bring their family together and to be successful. So they understood what was written, they understood their rights and they did everything they could to work within that and make it happen. 
And so um, that's, that's how they did it. Um, so I think, again, it comes back to um, knowing the truth, knowing, um, especially in our country, you know, knowing what the constitution says, how many people even read it anymore? How many people don't know their rights or they'll even talk about laws and they don't even know what laws are actually on the books. We can all learn more about that and understand what's happening as much as you possibly can understand what's happening, what laws are, are supposed to do. I mean, even in, even in Florida where you live, um, I, I remember when that whole don't say, don't say gay bill, that, it's not even in the bill. That no. was a media tag mm -hmm. to stir up people's emotions. It wasn't the truth. And it's a short bill. It's like a seven page bill that anybody can pick up and read. Mm -hmm. and, and it was a bill designed to protect school curriculum and young children, like kindergarten to third grade, or I think third grade, kindergarten to third grade or pre-K to third grade to protect those children from being exposed to things that they don't need to be exposed to, particularly having to do with sex, sexuality and sex education at such young ages. That's what that bill did. There was nothing in it about not being able to say the word gay. It was ridiculous. Yeah, so I'm interviewing people about um, the porn that's in the children's books, literally. Porn. Yeah, that, that's, yeah, that's a little scary. Um, I mean, you couldn't read it over the airwaves because you'd be violating FCC rules, but right. you give it to a third okay. grader. Yes. Or read it out loud in a, um, a board of education meeting. You're not supposed to do that. And, but yet, you know, one thing I will say too, I mean, as, as much as, as difficult and challenging as 2020 was with our COVID lockdowns and all of that, it did reveal to a lot of parents what was happening educationally because suddenly their children were being educated over the computer and parents could, had to take note of what their children were being taught and what they weren't being taught versus what we all thought maybe, you know? And so this is, um, sometimes it's difficult to watch this unfold, you know, in this, uh, um, and, and still have hope, but, you know, still have hope, hang on to that hope. And I, that's another thing. They don't ever give up hope. Soaring Eagle never loses hope. <laughs> He knows how to soar above the storms of life. Now, I would say writing a book is like the, playing the long game for truth yes. and hope. So for the short game, what practical advice um, can you give writers, even those who didn't realize they're a writer, but they need to write, or they've wanted to, but they just haven't done it. But those that are writers, what's a short-term um, action steps that we can mm -hmm. take right now? Um, first get in your mind that it's risky and you should take the risk. Uh, when I first started taking seriously that I needed to write and, and I had things to say through a big story, but also to individuals that God might bring across my path, um, take that risk, take that risk, do it. It's okay. And take little steps. Little steps are fine. There's still steps. 
but get in your mind to take that risk. The second thing I would say is if you're, if you are a writer or you believe that God is calling you to be, to be a writer, write every day, write something every day. I do. I write something every day. Some people love journaling. If that's your thing, do it. Some people like writing little bits of poetry or haikus, whatever it is. Um, write every day, writers write. So do something on pen and paper every day um, or on your computer, however you want to do it. Um, find, a, find a mentor, a writing mentor. And of course your Writers Academy is a wonderful, wonderful mentoring tool and the community that's being built there that's fantastic and and so find find yourself a community and a group if you need a coach to help you pull out um, more about uh, what you're seeing and your dream just isn't really clear about what you should do and what you should write find that group as well um, find people there are people out there so find your mentors find those folks uh, write every day be willing to take that risk. Um, and then at some point, take the risk to share the writing. Take the risk. But why is it important to take that risk? Because I believe that it is a word in due season that sets people free. So some of my poems and some people I've written for that I, again, a lot of them I haven't met in person, um, but I believe they are a word in due season that I have given to them that they don't fully see it yet. And eventually they will, and it, and it will bring them a sense of freedom, you know? Um, so I don't know what else to say to that other than, uh, Trust that the words that come into your heart for somebody else or through a story, they will not come back void. They will go out and they will perform and do something wonderful in the person that you've given them to. I have to believe that. <laughs> well, he didn't give us a, a gift of writing or language to um, just hoard for ourselves. He gives gifts to be shared. Gifts are shared. Yes. They're not kept. They're shared. They're given. So they're given. A gift is to be given. Yes. <laughs> and we don't want to live in your dystopian world. I can tell no. you. No. <laughs> it's don't. a great book, though. It's a great book. So tell us where Thank we can you. find your books. Um, my books are on Amazon. So if you uh, go to Amazon and you type in my author name, Rocklin Grace. R-O-C-K-L-Y-N, Grace, my books will come up. Okay, perfect. And they're available in ebook or print. And then, um, so you have a couple of offers for people watching. Why don't you tell us about this? Okay. I wrote them down, so let me scroll down to where, um, where I have so I don't miss anything. So <laughs> first, if you want a um, prophetic a poem that is personalized to you, just send me an email. And my email is rocklandgrace, no spaces, rocklandgrace at gmail.com. Send me an email. We'll get acquainted a little bit. I'll send you five questions that you answer 
And then um, I would be very happy to, and what I do is I, I do some research and based on what you send me, and then I, I pray for you, and I believe that God will use that to uh, speak to you and to be a blessing and bring some joy into your life. And those uh, poems are $75. I print them on beautiful paper and sign them. And I'll send you a couple of copies so that you have one you can keep somewhere and one you can frame. Um, I also, my book with uh, my, my beautiful friend Ferris, if you'll send me an email, same thing, rocklandgrace at gmail.com. Ask me for a copy of this. Promise me that you'll write a review on Amazon. I will send this to you for just the cost of shipping, which is about $5. And I'll sign it and personalize it. I'll also choose a poem from here and I'll print it out for you and sign it. Um, and once you uh, post a review and let me know you've posted the review, I will meet with you on Zoom and we can talk in depth about any poem or group of poems that you want more information about. Every poem in here has its own story behind it. So I would love to talk about that more. Yes, writers love to uh, talk about writing and stories, and it's just a lot of fun. So it is. <laughs> okay. And then, how can viewers get a hold of you if they want to ask you a question about your books, the offers? Okay. Again, rocklandgrace at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook, Rockland Grace Remnant Writer. Rockland Grace Remnant Writer. And on uh, Instagram, same thing, Rockland Grace remnant writer or and i would love to hear from you you can send me a message and my author page on instagram you can just follow that and send me a message all right do you have a website i do it's a little messed up right now because i was trying to improve it <laughs> and i made some mistakes but it's rocklandgrace.com um give me a few days to fix it up <laughs> but yes we understand the website challenges. In the you know, the technology challenges. Yes, I, I made some mistakes on it. And uh, so now it's just sort of sitting there looking terrible. That's okay. Yes. Um, is there anything else that you want to share with anyone? Or uh, just uh, remember that um, we, do, we, we do have a lot of compassion and we love people. If somebody disagrees with you, that that's not a hatred issue at all. It's, it's a simple disagreement. And, you know, enjoy your friendships and regardless of, you know, where they are in life, dig in, be friends, love people, have compassion. Um, everybody has something interesting to share in their life. And we can, we can love beyond um, people's troubles. And oftentimes that's what heals them. That's good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so many people have split up and families, friendships over the last, well, since 2016, really. Yes. Yeah. It's Trump. And it's, it's, it's so silly because as adults, you're allowed to have an opinion mm -hmm. and no one has to agree with you. This is what I taught my students. No one has to agree with you and you do not have to agree with them. Right. 
we can have different opinions based on we and we do based on experience, based on knowledge, based on things we've been told that we don't actually know, things we've studied, and based on wounds that we have that haven't been healed. And so, you know, um, um, it's worth working out. It but, is. It is. And and I, I want to say that too. Everybody has wounds. You have wounds. I have wounds. And we're all uh, working at becoming better people through it. And we need each other to do that. Yes, we really do. We, we really do. do. And yeah. Yes. So thank you, Dr. Rockstar, Rockland Grace, Dr. <laughs> Annis, for coming. <laughs> And doing this. And I want to say to everyone, thank you for watching. Um, be sure to share this, like it, so you can watch in two places on the writersacademy.net for this free event where there you'll get daily notifications. Uh, there should be 21 interviews in all, if not more, or on Rumble on the Write Your High Calling channel. But please like share and watch and until next time keep writing yes <laughs> bye everybody thanks for listening everyone if you're looking for information on how to write a novel a memoir or a nonfiction book go to the writersacademy.net that's right thewritersacademy.net for details. And until next time, keep writing.